Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's December 17th, 2021, and you are invited to join me and my dear friend and sort of awesome regular Katie Proctor as we share with you all of our favorites in books and reading from the year. From children's books to memoirs, from historical fiction to romance, we have got a little bit of everything for every reader. I know you're going to love our year-end review. I'm Meg Teets, and this is is sort of awesome. Welcome back, awesomes, to the show that's all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. We are so glad that you have found your way to the most amazing community of women on this planet. You can find our community online, and if you are into what you hear today on Sorta Awesome, we'd love to have you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you really love the show, go ahead and drop us a five-star rating and review while you're at it. Believe it or not, those really do help people to find the show. And if you want to get in on all the perks of being part of our superstar community, that's what we call our supporters on Patreon, come check us out on Patreon. We've got bonus episodes, tons of them that you can download and binge right now. We've got ad-free episodes. We will hook you up with our digits so you can send us a text instead of just yelling at us on your phone. We have so much good stuff for our superstars over at Patreon. You can find us there at patreon.com slash sort of awesome. Well, hi, Katie Proctor. How are you? I'm great, Meg. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that you are here. This episode is one that we kind of had tossed around an idea of doing and it kind of came down to the wire scheduling wise. Are we going to be able to get it in? And you are an amazingly flexible person. I shot you a text earlier this week. and I was like, hey, you're in books. You want to talk about it? And you were like, yes, let's do it. So here we are. I'm so glad that we get to look back over our year in reading. And there's nobody else I'd rather do this with than you. So thank you. Thank you. This is one of my favorite activities at the end of the year is to look back over everything that I read and picking out those favorite ones that I want to shout off the mountaintops of everybody needs to read these. So yes. When I was prepping for this episode and making my list, my heart was so warm and happy because going back and revisiting these books, the characters and the stories that were told, I'm just, I want to hug every single one of these books so much. Such a great year at reading. Same, me too. <laughs> so we have so much fun to get to for you guys with talking about our favorites from the year for 2021 in books and reading. We're going to get to all of that here in just a few minutes. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. 
If you're new to Sorta Awesome, Awesome of the Week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little more awesome right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, music, movie, podcast, product, something that's bringing a little awesome to life. Katie Proctor, what do you have for Awesome of the Week this week? Okay, so mine is actually a kind of coffee. And I want to start by sharing a little coffee journey of my life with you, which is that I hated coffee for a very long time until baby number two stopped sleeping at eight months old. (laughs) And then coffee became something that I actually needed in my body. And so I was like, well, I'm only going to do iced coffee, right? I can only deal with iced coffee. It needs to have a lot of sugar in it. And so gradually, now that I'm working, you can't just grab an iced coffee anytime I want to because that takes time to make. So now I'm out of necessity drinking hot coffee, which has become my favorite. Okay. (laughs) That was a whole journey. I'm right there with you. I get it. Yes. (laughs) So we recently moved back home to New Mexico and we found this New Mexico Pinion Coffee Company. So they grow the coffee here and they roast it here and it's so good. And they will ship it anywhere. So I wanted to bring it to the show because anyone can get their hands on this New Mexico coffee. It comes in a really cute little red bag. And my favorite flavor right now is a vanilla bourbon. Oh my gosh. Flavor. And it's so good. And so I like to make mine with, I put a little collagen in there and I put maple syrup and some heavy cream. And that's just the best way for me to have my coffee in the mornings. And it's very good. They have a lot of flavors. Like they have a maple walnut one. That's really good. They have a Santa Fe one. that's like caramel and vanilla. And then they just have your regular like blonde roast and dark roast and all of that. And it's all very, very good. Oh my gosh, you are speaking my language. My One of my favorite love languages being coffee for <laughs> sure. But the vanilla bourbon, oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. What a delicious way to start the day. And I love your, your extra prep that you put into it. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Okay, well, we will put a link in the show notes because like Katie said, no matter where you are, I'm sure we can get that to you if you want to check that out. My awesome of the week this week is kind of funny. It's a, I don't actually have it yet. It's all in my mind right now (laughs) as I am planning, putting together for the first time in a long time, a pen and paper reading journal fun for 2022. So as you all know, if you are a reader, sometimes it's a challenge to keep track of what you're reading and what you want to read. And I have to say that I've gotten a little bit lazy about this in the past couple of years, Katie, to where I just like to remember what I've read, I'll like look at my Audible library and my Kindle (laughs) library, kind of look around what's in a stack on my nightstand. But I've been inspired recently to get a lot more serious about tracking these things. And there are a ton of pre-made reading journals, reading Mm -hmm. tractors that you can find. Some of them you can buy. Some of them are free to download. I mean, there's a whole world of it out there. I have found that I just have not been able to find one that I quite love and that is feels like exactly what I want. But it occurred to me, well, I know how to journal, pen and paper journal, and I know mm-hmm. how to take a bullet journal style approach to journaling and adapt that to specific topics. So I started watching on YouTube videos of people doing their reading journal setups. And I'm not, I can't even tell you one specific channel, but I will put links in the show notes if you guys want to also go check these out. But Katie, it has been so inspiring to look at all of the different ways that people track their reading through the year, whether it's like visuals in terms of one YouTuber I found 
will actually take the covers, like a JPEG of the cover of a book she wants to read to build her TBR, her to-be-read list. She'll take all of those covers, the JPEGs, move them into a Word document, shrink them down, and then print them out. And then she cuts them out and pastes them into her journal. So she has that, not just words, like list of titles, but she has visuals of the books she wants to get to. I thought that was so cute and so fun. So it's just been so inspiring. And I will have to say, I've been looking at a lot of journals that you can actually buy just to remind myself, oh, it's really important to me to have this. Book Riot is a website that has a lot of products and a lot of reading challenges. They're famous for having their read harder challenges, which I've done in the past, which I find to be so inspiring because they really encourage you to get outside of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. with what you're reading. So I've been looking at some of that to get some ideas. I don't know. I just have been having so much fun and it's truly been so long since I have felt this inspired to do something really creative. That's fun. It's it's fun to journal. (laughs) It really is. And especially if it's about books and, you Mm -hmm. know, like creating places like to um, write down your memorable quotes from different books. And I don't know, I'm just really, really excited about it. So like I said, I will put some links in the show notes for you guys to go check out too. So if you also want to join me in this journey for 2022 reading of putting together your own reading journal and tracker, we can just do it all together. So I think that'd be so much fun. I love it. So yeah, that is my awesome of the week this week. And like I said, I'll throw some links into the show notes. We'll have Katie's coffee link in there. We would love to hear from you. What is awesome in your life this middle of December 2021? We always talk about awesome of the week over on Instagram. So you can come find us there at Sorta Awesome Show. And definitely every Friday in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group, that's our community on Facebook. We talk about awesome of the week and we talk about so many other things. Katie, this time of year, as you may have noticed in the Sort of Awesome Hangout, it is a gift recommendation extravaganza. (laughs) It's so much fun to read through all those because I am very uninspired (laughs) in gift giving world this year. So me too. I think so many of us just feel like our mental resources are just tapped out. But that's the beautiful thing about our community. You can go in there and be like, what do I get my 10 year old nephew for Christmas? I have no idea. And then moms of 10-year-old boys will, you know, chime in and be like, my son's into this, 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 this is what I got my grandson, whatever. It's just so great to see everybody coming together. So if you have not joined our community yet, please come and find us at facebook.com slash group slash sort of awesome hangout. We would love to have you there. All right, Katie, we've got a lot of books and reading talk that we'll get to here in just a few minutes when we come right back. Hey friends, as you know, the holidays are wonderful, but there's also so much potential for uncomfortable moments. Like when someone has a little bit too much to drink at the office holiday party, or when great aunt Alan starts asking really cringy questions over Christmas dinner. Thankfully, with third love, comfort is always a given. You guys, the holidays can be hectic, stressful, or downright uncomfortable. But this holiday season, you can give the gift of comfort with third love. It's your one-stop shop for all of the women in your life. When you give with third love, you are gifting comfort. You can pick out ultra soft loungewear for your mom, fun sleepwear sets for your sister, premium activewear for your friends, and don't forget to pick up something extra comfortable just for you. I love the feeling of opening a gift that someone picked out just for me, especially if they know how much I love being comfortable. Third love makes being the good gifter easier than ever. 
Of course, you know, one of my favorite things about Third Love is their very famous fitting room quiz. It's like having a personal shopper, but better. It focuses on size, current fit issues, and your own personal style to help you find the bras and underwear that are perfect for you. I also love that Third Love is the largest donor of undergarments in the U.S., donating over $40 million worth of bras to help people in need. Awesome's feeling is believing upgrade to everyday pieces that love your body as much as you do. Right now, you can get 20% off of your first order at thirdlove.com slash awesome. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash awesome. All right, friends, you know that throughout this year, I have talked about how much I am obsessed with playing Best Fiends, but... I am especially loving playing it during this holiday season. It is the perfect pick-me-up when I just need a break. I just need to chill out. I just need to escape the chaos of the holiday season. I say it all the time, you guys. I'm not a gamer. I hardly ever even put games on my phone. But Best Fiends has everything I'm looking for. Most importantly, a really fun storyline. I love the cute and collectible little fiends. And I love the fact that there are tons and tons of fun puzzles. Once I start playing, it's really hard to put it down. Something else that's super cool about Best Fiends is if you are somewhere without Wi-Fi, it's not a problem. You can play Best Fiends wherever and whenever you want with their offline mode. So even if your holiday travels take you off of the beaten path, you can still whip out your phone and play Best Fiends. So you guys go download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Okay, Katie, I am so excited. You texted me your list ahead of time. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Katie Proctor, you are the perfect person to come (laughs) and talk about year end hits from 2021. Now, I want to say before we start, I don't know about you. I couldn't tell exactly from looking at your list. Are all of your picks published in 2021 or some from different years? So most of them are 2021 published dates. A couple are 2020, but like toward the end of 2020. Okay. And then one, my middle grade pick is actually from 2017. And I didn't realize that, but it was one that I read this year and really, really loved. So want to share that one. Okay. I'm the same way. Almost everything is a 2021 publication. I do have two titles that are backlist, but I did read them in this year, just like you were just saying. So We're going to try to bring you some of the freshest books, maybe books that you have heard about, but you haven't gotten a chance to get to yet, or maybe some that are brand new to you. We decided let's start with nonfiction. Mm -hmm. I personally, and I've talked about this so many times, I'm sort of awesome. I am very nonfiction heavy in my reading. I love, love, love essay, memoir. Also, I'll admit I love self-help books and like, (laughs) yeah, all of those. So I was like, let's go ahead and start there. And I know we have tons and tons of awesomes who are more fiction heavy. Don't worry, we're going to cover all of the fiction categories here in just a little bit. But let's start with nonfiction. Katie, why don't you start us off? Let's just start with something a little thoughtful, a little meaningful in the realm of nonfiction, spiritual books, that category. What you got for us? So I read Wholehearted Faith by Rachel Held Evans and Jeff Chu. And this was a book that I pre-ordered as soon as I saw that it was coming you know, we lost Rachel a couple years ago to illness and her voice has been so missed in the more progressive Christian community. And so this is her last words. There was about 11,000 words of her manuscript that were on her computer and her husband gave Jeff Chu, who was a dear friend of hers and another really great writer. He actually asked him to finish it for her. So 
it very much reads just like Rachel's other books. It's in first person. It's a lot of her memories. There weren't any times where I was like, oh, there was maybe one time where I was like, this is Jeff. But the rest of the time, you could tell that Rachel's personality and her spirit was just in the words. And so one really special thing is that I got to read this one with Elizabeth Baker, who is an awesome who I would have never met without Sorta Awesome because she lives in Houston and we're yeah. worlds apart almost. And so just having that point of connection every day, we read a chapter a day and got to talk about it and got to have some really great conversations. And I just really loved it. So it was everything I wanted out of it. And yet we were so sad to finish it, knowing that it would be her last words for us. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I own this book. I haven't read it yet. And I know that I share, I've heard other people kind of echo this feeling about this last book of hers. I am almost hesitant to start it because I know this is it. So, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, we're going to start crying here in the first (laughs) discussion of the first book of 2021. But truly, I am holding on to it. I know I'm going to get to it in 2022. I just needed to like take a couple of beats because this is it. So in fact, speaking of that, Here's a little bonus. I didn't even put this on my list and I'm kicking myself that I didn't think to mention it. But speaking of the late Rachel Held Evans and some of her last thoughts and last works, I want to throw a shout out to the children's book that she had started. Yeah, she had started this book and her friend and well-known children's book author, Matthew Paul Turner, took up what she had started and finished the book for her this year. The book is called What is God Like? And it's so so beautiful. It is Mm -hmm. so beautiful. So Rachel's husband, Dan, wrote that in March of 2019, that Rachel had started to outline this book. It was a very exciting time in their life. Their son, Henry, had just turned three. They had their baby daughter, Harper. And Rachel was really excited to branch out of her usual realm of writing and do some children's book stuff. And so she had started to outline this book. And then, of course, as you just mentioned, it passed away a couple of months later after that. And so Matthew Paul Turner, who was friends with the Evans, took the outline that she had. And in his way of writing children's books, it's like this beautiful blend of two mm-hmm. people whom I love so much and who have spoken so powerfully into my life when, in my own faith journey. It comes together in this beautifully illustrated book, illustrated by Ying Hu Tan. And Mm, It's just gorgeous. If you haven't gotten books or gifts for some of the kiddos in your life, or if you wanted to get this and donate it to schools or churches or libraries, you can still get this. I think you could definitely still get it before Christmas as we're recording as you're listening. It's a fantastic book. So I didn't even put this on my list, but I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to talk about what is God like. It is really beautiful. It is. My kids love it. We all love it. (laughs) So good. Okay. Well, my spiritual pick for the year, again, that was just a bonus that I was throwing out there (laughs) in the children's book realm. Mine, Katie, I have to say, came into my life directly because of you. Oh, so this this year, a couple of months ago, you and I recorded an episode and released an episode for our superstars in our sort of spicy series. And we did a conversation, a long conversation about the books that have accompanied us on the way through spiritual deconstruction and reconstruction. Well, you happened to mention a book that had been on my list for a long time. And after we talked about it, I was like, okay, it's time. I'm going to read this. 
It's by Father Richard Rohr, and it's called The Universal Christ. Yes. So, yes. Um, Yes, I did too. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is one of the sort of backlist books that will be on my list. This was actually published in 2019, but I just now read it this year. And Richard Rohr has been on my radar for years, Katie, like for years. But this was actually the first book that I have sat down and read cover to cover that was his work. And it's kind of funny because he has said that he considers the universal Christ to be the culmination of his whole life work. So mm-hmm. I basically, you know, met him at the end and is like, all right, just sum it up all for me because <laughs> he has written so many books and, and has such a profound impact on a lot of people's lives and spiritual journeys. And I've, I've talked about this multiple times, my path to the Catholic church, which we are practicing Catholics, my path to the Catholic church was absolutely influenced by the mystical. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like this book is in a way kind of like a guidebook to contemplative, mystical understanding of Christianity. He really asks us to examine the Christ mystery apart from the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine not just a few Christian leaders and thinkers, both Catholic and otherwise, consider this idea to be really dangerous. However, Katie, I found it to be absolutely exhilarating. Me too. I loved it. Like every paragraph, I'm like highlighting things and reading it out loud to Kyle. It just, we actually read this together and I don't know, I don't even know what to say, except when I was reading this book, I was just, oh my gosh, I always hoped that some of the stuff that he covers in this, in his book and his words and his philosophy, I'm like, I just always hoped that this could be true and to read the way he outlines it to really experience his perspective on it. I don't know. It was by far the most important spiritual book I read this year, The Universal Christ by Father Richard Rohr. And I want to say too, there's a great interview with him and Oprah on her Super Soul Sunday series. And that's why I enlist just listening to him talk about his book and how he came to that. And yes. so I, I actually listened to that before I ever read the book. And it was a really good primer for understanding the book. Yes. And so we can drop a link for that in there too. Yes. And speaking of that, speaking of listening to things, he also originally to promote the release of this book back in 2019, the Center for Action and Contemplation, which is his sort of home base, released a podcast called Another Name for Everything with Richard Rohr. Oh, cool. And so if you go back to the beginning in 2019, if you go back to the beginning of the podcast, it is a discussion like almost chapter by chapter, not him reading it, but just discussing the bigger themes of each chapter. But then the podcast continues on with more conversations that aren't directly related to the book. So I will put a link in the show notes. I'm glad you mentioned that because that also, like if you just kind of want to get a taste of it, to check Mm -hmm. it out and see if this is something for you, the podcast is great too. So, okay, let's move along in nonfiction. How about memoir? Okay, so I already gushed enough about Brandy Carlisle's Broken Horses and need everybody to read it on audio. So I'm going to skip that one, even though it will be on my top 10 list. But I wanted to bring another one to the show, and it's called A Knock at Midnight, A Story of Hope, Justice, and Freedom. And this one is by Brittany K. Barnett. And she grew up in the midst of the war on drugs in her own Black Southern neighborhood. She had some family that had some drug problems, and she had dear friends that were incarcerated. And so she went on to get a law degree. And initially, she pursued corporate law. And she's very smart, very capable, just a really driven hardworking lawyer. And 
she was approached by someone she knew to help that wanted help for getting this woman out of jail who they thought she had been unfairly sentenced. And so she started to work on this case and then that case led to another case and that case led to another case. And so she kind of is like the female Brian Stevenson, but not for death row inmates, but for drug related um, crime. And so what she did was she examined the laws of drugs and she talks a lot about how cocaine drugs and crack had different punishments and Mm -hmm. how that kind of had seeped its way into the justice system. And there's a lot of bias still. And she was looking at who were the jurors and who was the judge and all the things in these cases. And so she was building these really powerful cases for these people to be released earlier than they had initially been sentenced. And so her story is very powerful. It's very well written. She's just an inspiration and she has done such good work and she's still doing that work. And so her story was really, really well done. Awesome. So that's A Knock at Midnight by Brittany Burnett. Okay, that sounds fantastic. And that one was not on my radar at all. So I am very much looking forward to picking that up. That sounds incredible. Okay, you referenced this. I'm just going to go ahead and say my memoir of the year absolutely was Broken Horses by Brandy Carlisle. Oh, good. Which was your awesome of the week in episode 331. And I picked it up on audio because of your recommendation. And so I'm just going to gush about it a little bit. But if you guys want to go back to episode 331 to hear what Katie had to say about it, that's what really sold me on it. And so just a little bit of background, if you're not familiar with singer-songwriter Brandy Carlisle, I honestly, I kind of knew her name generally broadly until the collaboration group, The High Women, came out. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, oh. Brandy Carlisle's voice is amazing. Right. <laughs> and so that's when I kind of get familiarized myself a little bit more with her. But now having read and listened to her because she narrates her memoir on audio, which is fantastic. I am just like, oh, my gosh, what an incredible woman. It talks about her growing up in poverty and being a closeted gay woman as a Christian. And it's just traces, as all memoirs do, it traces her journey to where she is today. And I think, Katie, and remember you saying this, something that is so powerful about her memoir is she's so self-aware. She's Mm -hmm. so completely honest. There's so much vulnerability to her telling of her story, but it's not in a cringy way, Mm -mm. which, as you know, in memoir, I feel like it's such a fine line between being really radically honest and then overshare in a way that is uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. not in a challenging way, but just uncomfortable as a person to hear (laughs) from whether it was somebody else's story. And as with all really good memoir, it really transcends her story, transcends her own life story and invites us all to just like reflect on our experience as human beings. It made my heart hurt and also it made my heart sore. Her story in a lot of ways, especially growing up, as a gay Christian in a culture that was very not affirming, it reminded me so much of my dear friend Drew, his story mm-hmm. that I, you know, got to observe in real time, in real life, growing up alongside him. Many of you all may know his story from Laura Tremaine's book, Share Your Stuff, and the Secret Tapes podcast that went with that. So it was really powerful to me on a personal level, but also I love to, just as somebody who me, myself, I find so much comfort and inspiration in music mm-hmm. and in art. 
and seeing how that became such a safe space for her as she was growing up and now that she creates for other people. Oh, it's just so good. So good. Even if you are not a memoir person, I would highly, highly, highly recommend go listen to Broken Horses. If you can do it on audio, do it on audio. It's so worth it. So great. Definitely the best, hands down, best memoir of the year for me. For sure. I'm so glad you loved it. I always love when people come back and say, your recommendation was awesome. So yes. love that. Yes, yes. All right. Let's see. What about essays? What did okay. you, you read in the realm of essays this year that was a standout? So John Green, who we all know and love from The Fault in Our Stars, which might have broken us a little bit. He <laughs> wrote this essay collection called The Anthropocene Reviewed, Essays on a Human-Centered Planet. And it was just published this year. It's written like a collection of Yelp reviews, which is kind of fun. So he takes a random object or thing or idea and he talks about it and then he gives it a star rating at the end. So there's an essay about air conditioning. And there's an essay about Canadian geese, which he's not a huge fan of, spoiler alert. <laughs> and he talks about serious things, but he also talks about really silly things. And so it's kind of a good mixture of all these things. And all of the things kind of add to our human experience, like what yeah. it means to be a human on this planet. He chose the name Anthropocene because that's the like name of the geologic era that we're living in right now. Oh. And so, like I said, he talks about everything from Canadian geese to Googling strangers and sunsets and Mario Kart. You know, that was a fun one to kind of read with the kids since they play Mario Kart. Yes. But he takes, a, and he takes an interesting spin on that one. I read this one with one of my book besties, Katie Cobb, who does currently reading. And we both loved every single essay. We laughed and we cried together and we got to share our thoughts, which was really fun. I'm giving this one to people for Christmas because I think, oh. I think it's going to be one that even if they're not a reader, these are five or six page essays. You can dip in and out of it really easily without yes. having to even remember what the last one was about. Yes. And so I think it's a really good gift for anyone who just likes to think about what it means to be alive on this planet right now. I just loved his heart. I loved all the things that he put into it. So it's very good. I've heard it's good on audio, but I read it on paper. And I'm glad I did because I really wanted to just hug it when I was done with it. You can't hug an audio book, which is unfortunate. <laughs> That's like the one downside to audiobooks. Right. <laughs> oh, I don't know how I missed this one this year, but I absolutely need to read it. I mm -hmm. am endlessly fascinated with explorations of what it means to co-human at the same time. Yes. So this sounds fantastic. My pick for essays for the year, I've already mentioned on the show, so I won't go back and rehash all of it, but I do have to give it a shout as my favorite collection of essays this year, and it is Broken in the Best Possible Way by Jenny Lawson. So I have talked about, I have loved all of Jenny Lawson's books, starting with Let's Pretend This Never Happened, and then her follow-up book, Furiously Happy. And I've said this before, I will say it again. Again, I don't want to take too much time because I've talked about this book already, but I do think this is her best book yet. I think she has really found her footing. And in this book, it is the perfect blend of her amazingly hilarious sense of humor. Mm -hmm. She can still, like no other writer, get me laughing out loud in public mm -hmm. or wherever I am, like cry laughing. I like, I become the cry laughing emoji. Same. And then also her really poignant reflections on the struggles of mental health issues. And so I'm laughing and crying in the same book. And it's so completely authentic and so real. I just love Jenny Lawson. I loved this book. And like you said, I think that's the gift of essay collections is that you can pick it up and read a few at a time. 
have it on your nightstand or whatever, read a few and then put it down. And it's just like a little gift every time you pick it up, but you don't have to track through the whole thing right. in one sitting. So good. So good. Nonfiction wise. Let's see. I know that you read some nonfiction history this year. I didn't do any of that, but I would love to hear what was your pick in nonfiction history for 2021. Okay. So this one is called How the Word is Passed, A Reckoning with the History of Slavery Across America by Clint Smith. And Clint Smith is a poet and he's a teacher and he's just this amazing writer. And so the best way to describe this book is kind of like a field trip in words. He took these trips to places like Monticello, to places like Whitney Plantation, the Angola Prison, the Blanford Cemetery, even downtown New York, places that slavery ultimately shaped in our nation's history. And Mm -hmm. he just shared about his experiences there when he took the tours and talking with other visitors there and people that he had met along the way. And then his feelings as he processed each one as a black man and a descendant of enslaved people. I read this one with a group of bookish friends from currently reading. And that was an incredibly powerful way to do this. We did a chapter every couple of days and then, you know, checked in and said, this is what I think about this. And then there's a lot of great research that you can do on your own. You know, you can take virtual field trips of these places or you can go read about them and how they kind of fit into history in our nation. So I really liked it. He has an amazing TED talk called The Danger of Silence. It's about four minutes. And it is incredibly powerful about how, you know, social justice weaves its way into our lives and how we need to stand up for what we think is right and for the equality of all people. And it's just his writing is really, really powerful. So I love that one. That one's called How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. Okay. Sounds fantastic. So, so good. Like I said, I did not read any historical nonfiction this year. So I have a category that I'm going to call anthropological nonfiction. I love it. I don't even know if that's a thing. I just made it up. (laughs) But I, one of my favorite books of the whole year is a backlist choice. I'm like, how have I never read this one before? It was so good. It's called The Art of Gathering. It's by Priya Parker and it came out in 2018. I did mention this briefly on my last discussion episode with Kelly as we were talking about Priya Parker. This book, The Art of Gathering, was recommended to me by Beth Silvers of Pantsuit Politics, and it came up in a small group discussion that we're in. And she even said something along the lines of, the book name is kind of boring, but it's a fantastic book. It absolutely is. So Priya Parker is, well, her tagline for herself on her website is that she's helping people create collective meaning in modern life, one gathering at a time. She also hosts a podcast called Together Apart. And this book basically guides you into understanding how to create a meaningful gathering that really has the power to impact people's lives. And so she discusses everything from small dinner parties that you host in your home or like your family reunion to putting on an actual conference like in your industry. Wow. And everything in between. Mm-hmm. So she tells her stories from her own work. She is kind of like a facilitator of gatherings, but she also includes a ton of anecdotes and stories and pieces of wisdom from other people in her life who also do gatherings really well. So on the one hand, it's very practical, really practical advice about how to create a meaningful gathering. And also, it's this really interesting look at Again, this theme keeps coming up on why humans do what they do when they're gathered together, what makes something meaningful, what makes a gathering fall flat. 
why we try to rush all the logistics when we should be thinking about like our intentions and the meaning of the gathering before we start putting together the logistics. Katie, this book is so good. I feel like I'm not even explaining it really well because it's so good. And I can see how some people might be like, that sounds so boring. If you're an NF type like me, an ENFP, and you just like to think about people and connections and what works and what doesn't, you have to read this book. I will absolutely come back and read this one again and again through the years because there's just so much in it. So it sounds really good. I have been avoiding this one because I feel like we're not supposed to have still big gatherings. Oh, right, right, right. So maybe that would make me angry that I can't do it. (laughs) Um, But I will definitely put that back on my list because it sounds good. It is. It's such a great read. Okay, well, that covers our nonfiction lists for 2021. And like I said, we have some really great stuff to get to in the realm of fiction. And we're going to get to that when we come right back. Friends, I've said it before. I'll say it again. One of my most awesome discoveries from the past couple of years. And one of the things I use the most every single day is Headspace. With Headspace, I've discovered that a few minutes is all it takes to change my relationship with stress and anxiety. It has absolutely transformed my life for the better. Here's the thing. Our thoughts can be confusing, but meditation doesn't have to be. Headspace is your convenient dose of meditation, mindfulness, and sleep exercises to relieve stress and anxiety and help you get a good night's sleep. It's all in one app. It makes it easy to catch your breath and make time for your mental health. It's one of the most science-backed meditation apps in the world, proving meditation works. Before Headspace, I really did not understand how meditation worked or how it can make an impact on my life, especially if we're talking about just a few minutes a day. But even the meditations that are like their mini meditations, the SOS ones, they can help relieve my stress right in the moment, bringing me a little moment of peace amongst the daily chaos of my life. I love Headspace so much. I want all of you to discover what it can do for your mental health as well. Find some Headspace at headspace.com slash awesome and get one month free of their entire meditation library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com slash awesome today. Headspace.com slash awesome. Awesomes, these days it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As the Sorta Awesome team has grown over the years, I have experienced firsthand how stressful it can be to add somebody new to the team. Thankfully, we have found incredible women to keep the behind the scenes of Sorta Awesome running so smoothly. And I know firsthand how huge of a difference just the right person can make on your team. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. You can focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash awesome to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Katie, we are back. We have some really fun stuff to get to in the realm of fiction. Of course, lots of people, when they think about books and reading, they think about the fiction that they read for the year. So Let's just start 
broadly speaking with contemporary fiction. It's something a lot of us like to read. What was like a standout for you in the realm of contemporary fiction this year? Okay, this one's called The 100 Years of Lenny and Margot by Marianne Cronin. So you have a 17-year-old terminally ill, precocious teenager named Lenny. You will love her from the first minute. And there's an 83-year-old Margot who's also in her hospital. And she's just sweet and full of stories. And together, they do the math and discover that they've lived 100 years together. And so they band together to create artistic representations of their years on of life, right? So they talk about Margot's history, her life, and how she got here and kind of back up until Lenny's not so much because she's only 17, you know? I just want to say as a warning, do not listen to this as do grocery shop because you might end up sobbing in the frozen food <laughs> section while trying to determine, you know, which brand of tater tots is going to kill your family. Um, it was so good. I loved every single minute. There's this storyline with the hospital chaplain who's a priest and he visits with Lenny a lot and she asks him a lot of really hard questions. And the way that his life gets woven in with their mm. lives. Um, it's just a really beautiful book. I gave it to my mom immediately yeah. and she loved it. And I just think it's amazing. So mm. that's a oh. hundred years of Lenny and Margot. Okay. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Definitely going to add that for my reading for next year. I went a little bit more specific for contemporary fiction. I wanted to pick something from women's contemporary fiction. I just have come to peace with the fact that when it comes to contemporary fiction, I just like women's fiction. I've been reading this since I was literally when I busted out of college and I, nobody was telling me what to read anymore. This is my realm. I love it. And so I picked the more lighthearted one that was one of my favorites for the year. Finlay Donovan is Killing It by Elle Cosimano. Did you read this one? I did. It was really fun. <laughs> So fun. It came out back in February, but I just read it this fall. I did listen to it on audio. And I want to talk about that here in just a second. But the general idea behind Finley Donovan is killing it is we follow our protagonist, Finley, who is a single mom, newly divorced. She's kind of a crime writer. She's had a little bit of success, but she's kind of struggling. She's behind on her latest manuscript that is supposed to be turned into her agent. So she's meeting with her agent. Basically, Finley's life is a chaotic mess. She's behind on all of her bills. Her ex-husband is actually threatening to take the kids. And she's just like in a bad, bad place. So she meets her agent for lunch. And she's telling her agent some of the details about her next novel, the manuscript that she hasn't turned in yet. A woman who's sitting close by overhears the conversation and misunderstands Finley talking about her crime novel to think that Finley is a hit woman that she right. can take care of problems <laughs> in the murdery way in real life, not just in her books. And so she basically accidentally, well, she, the woman intends to do it. Finley accidentally accepts a job to kill this woman's husband, who is a bad, bad man. And so the plot really goes from there. And it is a really fun book. I really enjoyed it in terms of, it was kind of a blend of, True crime-ish, because you guys know I love the true crime. There's a little bit of romance mixed in. There's friendships. There's sister relationships all blended in together. I have to give a big shout out to the audio version. This is narrated by Angela Daw, and she does a fantastic job with the narration. She's so brilliant with different accents. 
this is one that I absolutely binge listen to. I could not stop listening just like I do when I find a true crime podcast that I love. I just had to listen all the way as soon as I started listening. And it does end on a really fun cliffhanger, mm-hmm. too, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. I do want to give two, while we're talking about contemporary fiction, an honorable mention to the book How Lucky by Will Leitch, mm-hmm. which Amy Allen Clark talked about when she was on the show this fall. It is so good. It also has a little bit of a true crime aspect to it. It's actually a perfect blend of some things I love, like a true crime sort of situation to be solved, Reddit plays in really big, which I love Reddit. We all know you love your Reddit. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's really a triumph of the human spirit told from the perspective of somebody because of his profound disabilities due to disease, somebody whose voice is often not heard, like physically not heard, but also his perspective is often overlooked. I love this book. I did listen on audio. This is one of where I just wanted to just hug something. Like I just, (laughs) I held it close to my heart. (laughs) So definitely an honorable mention to How Lucky. That one sounds good. Yes. Okay, let's see. What should we do next? How about historical fiction? Okay, so I picked out The Lincoln Highway by Amor Towles for my, I think it was October, Book of the Month Club pick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as soon as I opened those Book of the Month Club picks, I didn't even look at the other ones. I was like, yep, that one. Because (laughs) I did read Rules of Civility and I did read Gentleman in Moscow. I wasn't in the right frame of mind to like appreciate Gentleman in Moscow as much as I could have probably, but I knew I wanted to read this one. It's a pretty chunky book, like 575 pages. Yeah. Um, But I will say this is the first time ever in the history of me having Book of the Month that I sat down and started reading it the minute it showed up at my door. So wow. I was very excited about it. He's really an amazing writer. It was really not a no-brainer to pick it from Book of the Month. But the story is follows Emmett, and he's like a 17-year-old. He's recently out of a juvenile work camp that he was there for reasons that you find out later. His father has just passed away, and so they let him out early so he could go help with his little brother who's been staying with neighbors. And they plan to close their farm, leave the farm and head off in Emmett's Studebaker that's been waiting for him, you know? Yes. And so their journey gets derailed when two more boys from the work camp show up and they have a very different plan for what they would like Emmett and Billy to do. And I don't want to say too much else because I think the story just takes off from there and you have to just go with it. So (laughs) I will say it was very literary. There's so many connections to myths Mm. and well-known stories. And there's all these random side characters that come in that you just love how they all come together. And it's that found family thing that I cannot get enough of in books. So I fell in love with the characters. It will stay with me for a really long time. And it was just one of those, you know, it's buzzy, it's everywhere, but I really think that it lives up to the hype. So that's The Lincoln Highway by Amar Towles. Oh my gosh. I have so many Book of the Month credits so many because <laughs> I skipped so many books that's so many months because I forget and blah 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 anyway I'm absolutely going to pick this one up it sounds so wonderful I love it, it and is. I'm I'm with you like the found family thing I just I'm a sucker for it every time no matter well, what genre we're in I love it yes and anytime they bring in Greek myths oh, and things yes. that just you know and you're an English teacher so those things are going to be I think a hit for you just how they get kind of connected to the story. So for sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, well, historical would, (laughs) this one hurts my feelings that it's historical. (laughs) We've already talked about it on the show, Malibu Rising 
by Taylor yeah. Jenkins Reid was my favorite. I don't, here's the thing. I don't really read historical fiction. It's just not my genre. However, when I was reading the results of the Goodreads books of the year, as voted on by Goodreads readers and saw that Melody <laughs> Rising was their pick for historical fiction, I was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? That was That's like the 70s, right? The 80s. It was 80s. the 80s. <laughs> Yeah. It takes place in August of 1983. I'm like, I was a human being alive on the planet <laughs> then. I was six years old in 1983. How very dare you call this historical fiction? <laughs> it's like when my kids like to tease me and ask me about how we did things in the last century. Oh, it's, nice. Yes, yeah, so painful. Feels good. Yeah. So we did talk about this, Katie and I did, on episode 310. That was about recent books that are worth the hype. So we did do a lot more conversation about it. But just as a reminder, this kind of follows the Riva family, the children of legendary singer Mick Riva. It actually takes place over 24 hours, the kind of the action of the story does with this sibling group. But of course, there's like lots of flashbacks and those types of things. I just have to mention this because I do think that Taylor Jenkins Reid is one of the great contemporary writers of our time. Again, I think she's really found her niche, Katie. Mm -hmm. She's definitely written other books that don't fall into this, but her latest three novels are kind of like secrets, lives, lies in the private lives behind fame. Yeah. And I really feel like she has found her footing in that realm. I happen to love all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that she does that unfolding of story so well in a way that's so deeply satisfying so again, that was Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And I will go ahead and say, okay, I guess it's historical because it was technically in the last century, but I hate <laughs> it, but I love the book. So <laughs> it was a very good book. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Now, speaking of, you just mentioned this when you were talking about the Lincoln Highway, but mythology, myth, you did a lot of mythology adjacent and oriented reading this year. What was a standout for you in that realm? So my pick for this list is a 2021 release and it's called A Thousand Ships by Natalie Hain. And I think I talked about it on episode 310, but I have to mention it again because I just thought it was so well done. This is the Trojan War. So think Achilles, think Odysseus, all of that, but it's told by the women. So you've got Penelope, who's Odysseus's wife. She's very angry that he's gone. She's very snarky. She writes these hilarious letters to him that I laughed out loud while I was listening to it. So fun. Briseis, you know, she was the one who was sold mm. to Achilles as yes. a prize. So her story and how that's woven in. And then King Priam's wife is a character. And so they just tell their side of the Trojan story. I even think that one of the goddesses is either Aphrodite or Athena is involved in this storytelling. The author did leave out Helen on purpose because I don't oh. think she thought Helen deserved a voice in this story because she was the whole reason that the Trojan War happened in the first place. Yes. So that's kind of a funny side, but this book is amazing on audio. The author reads it herself, which sometimes can be kind of like, oh, I don't know about that, but this woman is amazing. She's like a voice actor. She oh, does okay. all this amazing stuff with the audio. So I would suggest reading it on audio, but I also just bought a paper copy for myself because I have to have it on my shelves. Yeah. Okay, so good. Yeah, I love that. That was A Thousand Ships, right? A Thousand Ships. I did read okay. Song of Achilles this year also, but it is more of a backlist and that one is amazing. So, and I already gushed about that one on a different episode as well. So yes, those yes, are my yes. favorite mythology picks of the year. Okay. I really need to dive further into this genre because I absolutely love it. 
it takes me back to my actual collegiate days and having a whole class on Greek myth and how much Mm -hmm. fun we had in that class, just breaking down myths and finding modern, not interpretations of it, but like modern applications of Mm -hmm. these ancient myths. And I feel like I'm so happy that so many authors are taking that up and doing that for books that they're publishing right now. So great. Well, I didn't read anything in myth, but I cannot, cannot talk about favorite fiction of the year without talking about a science fiction pick which, Katie, is usually not my genre. I love fantasy. I love magical realism, all of that stuff. I'm just not a big science fiction person. But you all know that I have to rave once more about Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. So good. So good that we did talk about this on episode 310. Again, recent books that were worth the hype. Katie, what can I even say about this book? Just as a reminder, this is the story of an astronaut, a astronaut by accident. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) As it turns out, Ryland Grace, he is the sole survivor on a last chance mission to save the planet. All of humanity is depending upon him. He wakes up on the spaceship. All he knows is he's been asleep for a long time and he doesn't remember anything else. And the story unfolds from there. Again, I say this so many times. You're probably sick of me saying it about this book. I would never usually pick up a space book, an astronaut book. It's just not my thing. I don't like space movies. This book transcends all of that. Mm-hmm. The character of Ryland Grace and the characters he meets along the way and also the unfolding of the story of how it came to be that he is on this spaceship is unputdownable. I love this book so much. I did listen to it. The narrator, Ray Porter, is fantastic. The audio production of this, because music in a way plays a really big mm-hmm. part of the plot. The audio production of this is brilliant. This is one of the very top books of the whole entire year for me. So again, I had to talk about Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. If you haven't read it yet, what are you doing? Go listen to it right now. Do it. Also, don't read anything about it before you read it. For sure. I feel like you have to go in kind of blind. And then if you're feeling like, I don't really care about this science-y stuff, just stick with it because he's very good at explaining all the hard things to understand. So I really loved it too. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned buying a paper copy because this is one that I absolutely will buy just so I can have it and look at it. But also the listening experience is just... Well, Meg, use one of those book of the month credits because it's (laughs) one of the book of the month. Of course. I don't (laughs) know why I haven't thought of that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Let's talk about the sort of romance slash rom-com genre. This is a big favorite around here. In fact going to give a little plug, a little shout out. Rebecca and I just recorded. It will be out this month if I haven't already dropped it by the time you guys are listening to this. Rebecca came back to share 10 more brilliant romance novels that she loved that she read in the past year. She's read over 70 romance novels this year. She picked 10 for the superstars. That will be on our Patreon this month. It's really good. I will just give you a little hint that her theme was more taboo romances. And so she ranked them from very tame, very least taboo, all the way to really pretty taboo romances. That's fun. Katie, by the middle of the list, my face was like, (laughs) I was blushing so hard. I'm blushing right now thinking about it. We had such a fun discussion about that. So anyway, romances or rom-com, depending on what you like to call it. Did you read any this year? And did you have a favorite? So my pick for this one was The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. It's so fun. It's like that fake romance trope to real romance. Think Bridgerton, but think on the Princeton 
campus of, you know, the science grad school campus of Princeton. Okay. So we have this undergraduate student. We have a hot brooding professor who everybody's scared of and nobody likes. And it's a fake relationship that obviously develops into more as the story unfolds. It's kind of a slow burn. But then there's this one chapter that is very, very steamy. I was listening to it and was blushing all the way. Oh, okay. My face was all the way red. So it's very open door at that point. They have a lot of really good, delightful banter just between back and forth between the two of them. And then they also examine issues like women in higher education and those kind of things. And so it was a little bit deeper of a book than just a fluffy kind of romance. Yeah. And then I will say, if you really love it, there's a bonus chapter you can get from the author that is the uh, very steamy scene told from the man's perspective. <laughs> that is very fun to read. Okay. <laughs> also very blushworthy. So that is The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. Okay. I have not read this yet, but I do know that Book Talk, the bookish corner of TikTok, was ablaze mm -hmm. with recommendations for this book this year. So, yes, I am going to have to pick that one up for sure. For sure. The Love Hypothesis. Okay, my pick in the realm of romance is a book that I loved so much, and I have not heard that many people talking about it. It's called The Stand-In. It's by Lily Chu. Okay. It came out this month, and I think I actually just happened to pick it up because I saw that it's narrated on audio by Philippa Sue, who Ooh. played Eliza Hamilton in the original cast recording of Hamilton. So I thought, okay, I love Philippa Sue. I'll, I'll give this one a try. I love a romance. Oh my gosh, this surprised me with how good it was. And I think just as you were saying with the love hypothesis, that those romances that give you something to sink your teeth into plot wise are mm -hmm. just so much more fun and so much more fulfilling. So the stand in tells the story of our main character, Gracie Reed. She's mixed race, mixed Chinese and white. And she one day is mistaken in a coffee shop for a very, very famous Chinese actress. So there's some confusion over that. She actually ends up losing her job over it. She has this mm. job that she hates so much. She has a terrible boss, but she loses her job when these paparazzi pictures are published of her. So what happens is that famous Chinese actress tracks her down and basically is, I want you to be my stand-in. I'm mm. exhausted. I need a break. So after some back and forth and after losing her job, Gracie agrees to do it. So as it turns out, the famous actress actually is suffering from depression. And so there's this mental health element that comes into it. So the actress's name is Wei Fan Li. And then she is very, very close friends with, and the media is convinced that she is a couple with a Chinese actor named Sam Yao. And so as Gracie steps into Fang Li's life, then this romance between Ooh. her and Sam Yao unfolds. There are so many side plots going on here. You've got Gracie's, first of all, she's obsessed with list making and is always on the search for the perfect app to do all of her list making and productivity. And she ends up developing her own like productivity system as the story plays out. There, of course, there's the romance element. Gracie's mom is suffering from dementia. And so the struggles of putting your mom into care and she's an only child and her dad has died. So it's all on her to make all of these decisions. There's that part of it. 
She also happens to love a great red lipstick, which I do too. (laughs) (laughs) So I will say this is actually a closed door romance, which I normally go for the open doors, but this is closed door. It's just such a great story. It's very huggable when you are done. And I am so glad that I came across it this year. Again, it's called The Stand In. It's by Lily Chu. It's fantastic on audio. I'm sure it would be great on paper as well. That sounds really fun. I'm going to add that to my list. Really, really great. Okay, let's talk young adults. You and I both like to pick up some young adult fiction, often for me, definitely. (laughs) What was your pick for your best young adult read of the year? So I was surprised because like I told you before we got on, I only read four or five YA books this year, which is very unlike me. Usually I'll fall like head first into some kind of fantasy series and read the whole thing, but I didn't really do that this year. I did, though, one did stand out for me, and it's called This Is My America by Kim Johnson. And it's about a 17-year-old named Tracy, and her dad is an innocent Black man on death row. So this goes along with all my nonfiction picks, too. But she has made it her mission to save his life. She is writing letters. She is trying to find a lawyer to represent him. Kind of, They're getting very close to his execution date, and so it's very intense. Then her brother is accused of killing a white girl, and Tracy's focus and attention is shifted toward getting him he runs. So he's not actually in prison, but she has to find him. She has to prove that he's innocent. All of these things happening. It's fantastic, especially on audio. Bonnie Turpin reads it. And so the way that the story unfolds is just really, really good. And I think it's a great way for teenagers to kind of explore that whole bias in the justice system and how all of that unfolds and how that looks in a real life family with real life people. So I really really liked that one. And that one's called This Is My America by Kim Johnson. Okay. I had not heard of this one at all. So this sounds really fantastic. Mm -hmm. Definitely will add it to my list. I love how literature has the power to help us explore things that might feel a little challenging to explore, but if we can do it through the stories of others, especially in our teenage years, young adult Mm -hmm. years. So great. So good. Okay. Absolutely zero people will be surprised that my YA pick for the year is the third book in the Simon Snow trilogy. By oh. Rainbow Rowell, Any Way the Wind Flows. Oh my gosh, I love this book so much. <laughs> you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of expectation when it comes to closing out a series, right? Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine as an author how much pressure there would be to end a series well, especially these are characters that for the Simon Snow series, I think the first one came out in 2015. So people have been experiencing these characters for years. And I already talked about this was an awesome of the week for me when I read it back this summer. It's so good, Katie. She really brings the stories of Simon Snow, Baz Pitch, all of their friends to the perfect conclusion. The first book in this series, Carry On, I loved it so much, but I did talk about, and I've talked about in a couple of places, I do think that some of the timing and pacing in that one was a little bit clunky, especially towards the end. This one, I just, I feel like all of the stories are explored in a very satisfying way. You've really come away from this book at the end of this trilogy, feeling like everybody gets the ending that they deserve, that you want them to have in the best possible way. I did not listen to this one. I absolutely got the hardcover of it. I was looking on Amazon. It's only $13.50 on Amazon right now for the hardcover. That's nice. So yeah, so great. Now we have our whole complete Rainbow Rowell hardcover collection. I love it so much. I, I mean, there's not much that you can say as you're ending a trilogy without, you know, explaining the whole story. But 
if you've tracked along with Rainbow Rowell, especially with the Simon Snow series, the final book, Anyway the Wind Blows, top notch. Loved it. I'm so glad you loved it because sometimes I feel like when we read our favorite authors or a series, we're like, oh, is this going to be the one that, right. you know, isn't as good. And so when you get to have that satisfying ending, that is everything. Yes. So, so great. So, so great. Okay. Let's talk middle grade really quickly. You read a lot of middle grade and you're a middle grade author yourself. So I would love to hear standouts for you for the year. Okay. So this one was my backlist pick is from 2017 but I read it this year and it just, it's one I read earlier in the year, but I cannot stop thinking about it. And I can't stop thinking about it so much that I bought a set and I'm going to have a group of kids in my class read it. <laughs> That's going to be one oh, of their so picks for, for this year because it's just so good. So it's called Beyond the Bright Sea by Lauren Wolk. It's about 12-year-old Crow and she washed up on a shore of an island as a newborn in a basket and a nice man named Osh and his neighbor, Miss Maggie, co-raised her. But as she starts to grow older, she's like, where did I come from? She starts asking questions about how did she get there? Who put her in this basket? What all these things? And so reluctantly, Ash and Miss Maggie help her go back to the other island where they suspect she came from. So they do some exploring and they find out a little bit about her family, which I don't want to spoil too much of it because the way it unfolds is really interesting. And so it's beautifully written. It's really compelling. It's just got this really great sense of place. It's on these Elizabeth Islands and off of Massachusetts. And so mm. you can actually go to oh, these wow. islands. You know, they're based on real places. Yeah. And the place that she came from has a history that was based in true facts of yeah. that island. So I just really loved it. It has that found family. You know, she has yes. these two people that love her. And the way that I, it's a very small island. It's a very small town. So everybody knows everybody. And so just the way that these characters are built into the story and how she just finds out who she is and where she came mm. from. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful book. So I loved it. And what a great age group to create this story for, because mm -hmm. if you know any middle grade children, young people, they are desperately thinking about identity and how did I come to be the way that I am? It's right. something that's so front of mind for them. Even if they're not saying that verbally, it's something they're constantly exploring. Mm -hmm. So, oh my goodness, I absolutely love that that's a middle grade novel. Yes. So, so great. Well, my pick is one that I did discuss with you back in episode 331 when we were talking about books to get us in the back to school mood. And that is Starfish by Lisa Phipps. So this is Lisa Phipps's debut novel. It's written in blank verse. And for that reason, I definitely read it on paper. Of course, you can always listen to books, no matter what their formatting is. But I think that it has a, a really big impact as you look at the words. And I think it makes it really digestible for kids too, mm -hmm. um, when something's written in blank verse. But again, I'll just remind you guys, this is the one that tells the story of our main character, Ellie. She has been bullied about her weight. She creates what she calls the fat girl rules. And basically all of the ways that she tries to make herself smaller or not noticeable, but then Throughout the course of Starfish, she really grows into understanding how powerful and beautiful and worthy of love she is. I think that I keep thinking about this book because it speaks so poignantly to the experience of growing up being overweight. And then also the mother's role in this book mm -hmm. is really difficult as a mother to read. It was, yeah. I think it's difficult. I think it would be emotionally charged for a lot of us who, like in my age group and older, I would definitely say maybe younger, 
that our mothers and our mother's friends, our aunts and, and the women in our lives, like talking about weight and bodies and what's beautiful and what's not, what's acceptable and what's not. There's a lot of baggage that a lot of us carry from that. And then seeing it through Ellie's eyes, her mother's criticism of her and her constantly trying to fix her body and fix her weight is very powerful. I just keep thinking about this book. It has made, this is one of the books that has probably had the most lasting impact on me Mm -hmm. and causing me to think about how that impacted me, how I talk to my daughters about their bodies. So. And even if you don't have daughters, I think that this is a fantastic read as you just can explore for yourself some of the messaging that many of us grew up receiving. So and again, that's Starfish by Lisa Phipps. Such a great book this year. I so. love that one too. And I thought you were going to bring it. So I did not. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you said it again. Yes. Yes. All right. Quickly, as we wrap up, because this was so fun to talk about some of our favorites, but we've got the whole year ahead of us coming mm-hmm. up, 2022. I have a few on my radar. I will tell you that I am very much looking forward to the follow-up to Finley Donovan is Killing It, which is Mm -hmm. called Finley Donovan Knocks Him Dead by El Casamanos. comes out in February of 2022. Also, I'm super looking forward to the memoir from Viola Davis. Oh, that'll be good. Yes, the very well-known actress Mm -hmm. who she's like a triple crown actress. She has an Oscar, I think two Emmys and... Or maybe it's an Oscar and Emmy and two Tonys. Anyway, she's won all of the awards. Very powerful woman, actress and, and producer. Her memoir comes out in April. It's called Finding Me. So I'm very much looking forward to that. What about you? What's on your radar for coming up this coming year? So I went to Santa Fe last week with my sister and we stopped in at a cute little independent bookstore. And I just could not stop looking at the cover of the love songs of W.E. Du Bois. It is uh, a huge book. Okay, it's like yeah. 800 pages. But it's got this gorgeous cover. It's got deckled edges. It's like a sweeping generational kind of Mm. book from what I can tell from the cover. And so I think it's going to be really, really beautiful. I'm also really looking forward to The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. Um, Yes. It's supposed to be like kind of bookish and mysterious. And I've heard (sighs) from bookish people that I trust that it's very good. So I'm very excited about that one. And then one more that I just got from Book of the Month is called A History of Wild Places. And it's by Shay Earnshaw. And this is magical realism. Mm. Also with some murder. So you, it might be up your alley too. I'll be sure to check back in with you. But the day after I added it to my Book of the Month cart, I was happy to see the novel neighbor on Instagram is one of my favorite follows Mm. because they do these cute little like, if this is your drink of the Christmas holidays, then you should read this book. And so this book was paired with eggnog, which I am kind of a little bit obsessed with right now. And so I was like, oh, good. I already own this book. This is the one I need to be reading. So I'm super excited about that one. It's also so fun. So fun. Well, before we wrap up, I will say that Katie and I were talking off mic about some of our best reading adjacent things this year. And Katie, this came up several times for you as you were talking about reading along with somebody, either a buddy or a small group. I can just hear in your words that this has had a really big impact on your reading life this year. Mm -hmm. And reading with people has always been something that I've loved, but it's hard to find people in your immediate circle, maybe physically that do it with you. And so that, I mean, I know the internet's a dumpster fire for a lot of things, but for other things, it's so good to be bringing people together to do that with. And one of my favorite things to do in my fifth grade classes, you know, we just sit around and talk about books a lot. And I have the kids recommend books to each other. And we talk about the books that matter to them, because I think you don't have as full of an experience with reading if you do it all by yourself all the time. I feel yes. like those conversations that people can have and those making connections and 
sharing their own stories along with the stories that they read have are really, really powerful. So that's how I'm teaching my class right now. We're doing book club books. You know, I have them in small groups and yes. they're, re- they're reading books together. And every time we meet, they talk about what they thought and what questions they had and how they connected to it and, you know, what they thought was going to happen next in those things. And so they have loved being in those book clubs. And I think it's a much richer experience than just saying, hey, read this book and yeah, paper, you know. Oh my so. gosh. Yes. As I think back on all of the books I had to read, not just as a an elementary student, but all the way through my collegiate career, how much more fun it would have been to have a formal setup of, mm-hmm. of talking about it with people. So that's so great. I'm so glad you're doing it with your students. For me, I know I've said it before, I'll say it again, Book Talk, the bookish corner of TikTok. I think I maybe even got you into it a little bit, Katie. You did. <laughs> Become a little bit of a problem. <laughs> Good. Welcome to my problem too. There are so many great conversations and recommendations and whatever niche you are into, you can find it represented on the book talk part of TikTok. So that has continued to be so much fun for me this year. So we want to hear what was the greatest of the books and reading that you picked up this year. Katie, if people are looking for you on social media, where can we find you all around the web? mostly on Instagram at Katie Proctor writes and reads. And I try to share my favorite thing that I do is share a middle grade book every Monday for parents or for people or teachers who are looking for books for their kiddos. So that's my favorite thing that I do. And sometimes that's the only thing that I do all week, but I try to put up most of the books that I read and love. And so, yes, that's it. Awesome. Well, you can find me as Sorta Awesome Meg and you can find Sorta Awesome just by searching Sorta Awesome wherever you are on social media. We would love to talk books and reading with you or just year-end review stuff in general. So Katie, thank you so much again for taking the time, especially last minute, to jump on here and talk books and reading. This has been amazing. It's been so fun. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.